Hey everyone, welcome to Founders 365 with me, Stephen Haggerty. Today I am joined by Fritz Fritjus, founder of Arch DevOps. How are you today, man? I am doing excellent. Made it to another Tuesday, man. How you doing? <laughs> Made it to another Tuesday. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's like a really positive way to look at life or a really <laughs> depressing way to look at life. It's oh, only Tuesday. It another, yeah, only yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. Made it to another Tuesday. Um, but hey ho. Dude, I'm good. I'm glad you're on the show. I'm so glad you're here. Uh so I guess for the listeners and the viewers, it'll be great just to start off with a little overview of what you do, what your business is, and who you help. Sure, excellent. Well, I'll start generic and get more specific. Uh so the elevator pitch goes, Hey, we do nerd stuff. You know, computer nerd stuff, right? And um more specifically a lot of what we do is enable large and small businesses and medium-sized ones too to be really successful with technology. And early on in Arch DevOps, when I started it five years ago, it was very testing focused. So really make sure that the testing is efficient and automated and just smooth sailing, right? And in the last year, it's evolved into a lot more than that. So a lot of custom software, a lot of QA, like software testing practices and processes and websites. And we've even gotten into social media marketing and search engine optimization, you know, everything that bits and pieces of that every company needs in order to get to that next level. And now we're just, we're full service agency. We do all kinds of cool stuff and we love helping people and people come to us with unique challenges no two projects are the same and i love it so okay. yeah it, it, i love how you how you set that up as like we do the nerd stuff we do the nerd stuff you know we it's like the there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy lifting and there's a lot of wild stuff that goes on like when you're looking at what a company does you're looking at the tip of the iceberg and there's so much crazy infrastructure and databases and just blah and we love that blah stuff and we do it for people so they don't have to mess with it amazing so yeah. you know in your industry there's a there's a lot of competition there's a lot of people doing what you offer how do you make sure that you're being heard that you're being seen that you're putting your head above everyone else's you know that's a really good question and i think what what it comes down to is responsiveness um a little bit of a little bit of background about me. I don't I I didn't consider myself a process geek until really just recently. Um, if you had asked me before, if you had asked me a couple of years ago, hey Fritz, what do you think about process? And I'll be like, I don't need process. I don't tell me how to think. I'm gonna do what I want to do. It gets in the way, right? Well, it doesn't. I'm doing just fine. I'm doing just fine. Don't tell me how to do my job. Give me the freedom. You know, I don't need guardrails. But since then, you know, more recently, it's like, hey. Process is a great thing, and one of the ways that we distinguish ourselves is how we respond to customers. You know, we've got some systems in place that enable us to quickly respond. If somebody says, hey, do you have the ability to do X, Y, Z? We say, yeah. So we'll ask all of our people that do X, all of our people that do Y and Z, and get some numbers together and get some quotes together and get them over to the customers so that they have information in front of them and they can make an informed decision. Um, along with that, we're really big on 
social media, love building relationships on social media, love taking relationships offline, love having things like a podcast with people and just building that rapport. You know, we're not we're not so nerdy that we just abandon the right brain part of just being human, you know, so mm. we're that's how that's how we distinguish ourselves. Or I yeah, guess right. maybe does everybody else do that too? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is that whenever I ask that question, sometimes the answers are just like, "Well, we're doing exactly what everyone else does." So yeah, <laughs> how do you distinguish yourself? And the fact that actually, you know, in marketing and agency terms, there's new businesses being created every single day, mm-hmm. offering very similar things. But you know, I love the nerd approach. I think that's a very honest way to look at it because a lot of people don't realize how technical some of these things are. Mm-hmm. And for you, when you start working with clients, what are some of the typical conversations that you have in those early days that give you that sort of, that, that bit of excitement when you find that client that you want to work with, that, that fizz in the stomach about mm. what this project could lead to? When... Well, any conversation that has a lot of good chemistry, like I've had, I've had clients where, you know, early on, it's like, ah, oh, there's some red flags here, but ah, they got money. Let's ignore them. Right. And other times it's like, there have been some amazing conversations that you have and, and you can tell because you're relating to them on a very human level. You're able to speak to them about what's keeping them up at night. Like, why do they have heartburn at three in the morning? You know, what is it that's waking them up and making them worry? Okay, and dig into that. Not not with a with an intent to, all right, we're going to twist the knife and make it really hurt. But we want you to know that we understand because we've had some of those same fears and pains and gripes in our own company. You know, we understand. And when we're able to break this down and say okay this is a this is a this kind of problem this is a process problem or it's a personnel problem or it's a, it's an efficiency problem then we're starting to speak the language that they're understanding and those are just like ah oh, i love those i love those kinds of conversations i had somebody tell me one time i said i'm not a good salesperson and they're like are you kidding me fritz you're like the best salesperson you almost there was a conversation we had And my business partner, Alex, he goes, you know, if we had been like nurturing them for a couple weeks beforehand, you probably would have walked out the door with a signed six figure contract. Like you basically went in cold and had them realize like, whoa, these guys actually know their stuff. And uh, when we have the budget, we're going to bring them in. And I said, is that what it's all about? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, well, I love doing that. It's so much fun, you know, just being able to, to speak knowledgeably and in a personal way to other people it's fun dude it is fun and that's the thing right (laughs) sales is supposed to be fun yeah because you know that classic saying of sales is serving and i think you've just hit the nail on the head when you take all the those sort of techniques that people sell and all those frameworks that people sell to know how to sell and you just boiled it down to actually it's just a really good conversation Mm-hmm. imparting some knowledge and how helping that person get to the solution that they want and so they're not staying up in the middle of the night having a 3 a.m heartburn mm-hmm. um, you know, that's just no fun for anyone yeah. for you you know your business has been going since late 15 tw- 2015 sorry nearly five years on 
How has it changed then? How has it changed in those five years or nearly five years since when you first had the idea of going, you know what, I'm going to step into this this world and see how we do? Wow. How long do we have on this podcast? <laughs> as long as you want. As long as you want, man. Well, it's a three-hour story, and that's the uh, original version. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? It's really been it's been a really interesting progression, and I'll tell you why. When I first started out with Arch DevOps, it was based on an idea that I had been sitting on for a couple of years, and I thought, you know, it can't be that hard to find clients. I mean recruiters find clients all the time and i was working through a lot of recruitment firms i'm like i could do this i could do <laughs> this and cut out the middleman how hard ones? oh my goodness yeah second only to hey guys watch this um <laughs> so yeah how hard could it be and when i first started out i had i had intended to uh go in and just do full-time work it's just me i'm the execution arm and then you know find more work as the contracts ramp down and just keep doing that keep doing that keep doing that and then um i had a contract that got cut short and they gave me lots of notice they did a lot of they did a lot of work to try to find me some extra employment there and it ended up not happening and i was then out of work for four months i didn't realize at the time it was going to be four months but that's just how long it was and um when I finally got another contract, I told him, I said, okay, well, I do my work part-time. I decided, I'm like, I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket anymore. So I'll bill a higher rate, but I'll work part-time and it'll still work out to be the same. Like if it's a six month project, then right. And in that, during that time, I ended up getting two more projects and I thought, uh Oh, um, I can't do all this. And so then I had to hire somebody and I hired a guy. I brought him on and, you know, we worked together for quite a while, like about a year and a half. And he did some awesome things. And I was able to take him from being a pure manual QA tester who wanted to get into automation and get into automation. I trained him and I taught him everything I knew. And he learned some things outside of what I taught him. So I'm like, success, he made it. And um, you know, we got to a point where we had two employees and I had an intern that was working with us and we were rocking and rolling and, you know, our pipeline had dried up and it was due in partly because of coronavirus. And then I ended up having to let everybody go and that sucked. And now, you know, the, the progression is got a business partner. He's got a software development company. I do the stuff with the QA and the automation we also do the social media, the marketing, all that extra stuff, the websites, and we've switched over to a consultant slash contractor model. And and I've and I I had a lot of people tell me, "Hey, you should read this book, The E Myth Revisited." I had like seven people tell me, and I'm like, "I guess I got to read the book. The universe is trying to tell me something." <laughs> and I learned a lot about the freedom that comes from working on the business, not in the business. So. Mm-hmm. When I first started out, I'm like, I'm in the business, I'm doing the thing. And now I'm like, I have people that'll do the thing for us, but it's up to me to find the work for those people and foster those conversations. So it's like everything that could change, changed. So how did that feel though? How did that change feel when obviously, like you said, you had to let people go. You probably never had to do that before. How did it feel coming to terms with that, knowing that this was a, a new chapter in the nicest way possible for the business? 
Right. Well, I'm not going to lie, man. There was some ugly crying, you know, and I, I had uh, admittedly foolishly said, I'm never going to let anybody go. I'm never going to fire anybody. I'm going to have an awesome culture. I'll be like, you know, the Amazon or the gravity payments of the tech world. It's like, wow, they've never had any turnover. Amazing. Yeah, that in in a hundred percent of my people I lost, right? Um, and it was hard, you know, and I think the reason why it was so hard was because I put my identity in with the company. Like, hey, I'm Fritz, I'm Mr. Arch DevOps, right? And and it looks bad on me if I have to let people go. Mm-hmm. And in talking with other business owners, they said, you know, it sucks. Nobody ever wants to have this happen, but it is a part of business. And sometimes it does happen because there's a bajillion factors that are outside of your control. You could have all the process in the world. You could be doing everything right. And then something happens like, um, I don't know, worldwide pandemic perhaps. And it just yeah, throws out of the blue, just you know. it's random, right? It's like, what are the it's chances that little, of that? A little blip in 2020. Yeah. You know, the one thing that we didn't think of and, uh, and it just comes apart. Right. Mm. And it could just even be you're doing everything right, but the sector is affected or your your location or your demographic or something, anything. And it could just all come down. And it's like it doesn't mean you suck. Mm. It doesn't mean you are a failure. Yeah, maybe you failed at something, but failure is an event and it's something that just it's a piece of data. What can we learn from this? And when I was able to kind of distance myself from that, I was like. Well, first, it's not the end of the world. I thought it was going to be. And then once it happened, it's like, well, I felt like a tremendous weight was lifted. And they have found some stuff. So, I mean, it's not like they're homeless or anything. So they've, they're, everybody's doing fine. They're good. They're fine. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're good. They're good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's a chapter in life. And if you treat it like data and say, okay, how do I prevent that suck from happening again? and put some things in place then you're on the right track but yeah i couldn't just get like introverted and be like oh my goodness i can't believe what the heck it's like i can't it just it doesn't work i can't do yeah. that you gotta in those moments i think it's that sort of shows who's who's leaders and who's who aren't you know yeah you, you could have like you said you could have cried in the corner uh and you know like you said there were a few uh, ugly tears, but hey, who's a look and cry? No one. Yeah. Um, but it also showed that you you made an informed decision to make sure that you protected the business. You know these these people are not helpful if there's no work for them, right? Right. Because it doesn't fulfill people. It doesn't help people. It the unknown is worse than anything else. So mm-hmm. you know you stepped up to that plate and being like, I'm going to do something that's super uncomfortable. The fact that you linked it so with your identity about the whole, you know, I'm not going to fire anyone, which is, uh, I love that statement. And I'm pretty sure Amazon have definitely fired people. But yeah. <laughs> it just means <laughs> that it shows how much it may- meant to you as well. What What do you think is the biggest learning that you, you're, you've you learned from that and you're implementing into this new era of your business? Mm. I think overall the biggest lesson comes from paying attention to the rate of evolution. What I mean by that is, you know, we're, we're all, we're all on our own path. We're all going to have challenges where 
we have to adapt, right? And for some people, they they have those challenges come once a year or once every five years or once every six months. And they just sort of happen. It's like, eh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, right? Yeah. And we'll figure it out. But what I'm doing, and this, and this is probably going to sound like, Fritz, you're nuts. Why are you making life harder on yourself? But I actively seek out opportunities to get out of my own comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And in part, it's my fault because I keep building relationships with people that don't think like me. And then they challenge me to think differently. And it's like, wow, is that really is something. In, is that predominantly in business or personal life? Uh, both. Both. Yeah. So, I mean, in business, you know, I'm with a bunch of different people different sectors, different markets and things like that. Um, used to be, it would, it would be QA people and technical recruiters. That was my whole network. And now I've got a lot of creatives, marketers, content creators, all kinds of videographers, weird people all over the place, all over the spectrum outside of business in my personal life. I mean, I'm a Christian, but I have lots of friends that are Jewish, atheist, agnostic, you know, they're, just their view on life is different and it's like hey i can't travel the world right now but i can at least expose myself to the world and let them you know have an impact on me and just keep getting that data keep being adjusted um but yeah is that, it's it, is that something you've always done or is that something that you've sort of adopted along the way i've adopted it along the way really because um you know, in my younger days, I mean, you're kind of you're kind of constrained, right? You know, think of we got four girls, right? And their ages 10, 9, 6, and 4. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, as much as possible, we want them to be aware of different ideologies. But because they're not like driving and they're not in the working world and they're not being exposed to a bunch of different people and business and culture and stuff like that, it's like they're kind of limited. Yeah, and they still see what you want them to see. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's not like, oh my goodness, we got a shelter. Like, you know, you got to protect them somewhat, but yeah. we're not like closing them off from the world of, of people that we just don't agree with. It's like, they've got opinions, right? Let's hear them. Um, and I was like that growing up, you know, and I think a lot of kids are, they're, they're just limited with what they can, what they can be reached by. And as I grew older and I got into business and I'm, you know, going to different companies and rapidly changing where I'm working, like on a yearly basis, it exposed me to a lot more people. And yeah, I mean, I probably change or pivot in some fashion, maybe once a month. Wow. And it's, it's wild. So it's so like, what does wow. that, yeah. you know, you, you mentioned that you always look and step out your comfort zone. Two questions arise from that is, how do you know when you need to step out of your comfort zone, when you have that desperate need to think, you know, I need to stretch this? And two, how do you how do you make sure that you're stepping out your comfort zone in the right direction? And that might be a little bit of a twisted question because I guess the moment you step out your comfort zone is back to in that unknown, but it's also our natural self always protects ourselves from some element. Right, it does. Um, let's see. So the first question was, when so what was the first question like when do you know it's time when do you know yeah so when do you know it's time to you know what's going on in your head and you think i need to i need to mix this up i need to step out of my comfort zone you know when i start feeling like i've got things figured out 
if I if I say that phrase in my head, like, okay, I think I got this figured out. Uh oh, that's that is a key. That's a red flag. That is a trigger warning, sir. It's like, <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't believe I said that to myself. And then it's like, ah, uh, I guess I got to try something new. Well, I, and it's like weightlifting, right? It's like if you if you find it's too easy to do it in the morning, you're like, all right, I got this. All right, well, that means you're not getting stronger. You're not improving. It's time to clap some more weights on there or change up or do some different exercises or something. Get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, the other question that you asked, um, knowing that you're going in the right way, is it's a matter of, hey, in doing this, in performing this new action, am I compromising any principles? Is my conscience bothering me? And more often than not, I feel like, yeah, I'm on the right track. You know, it's it's still forward motion. It's a new direction. It's taking you to a goal, which, yeah, sometimes I don't know what their goal is until I get there. But as long as I'm impacting people in a positive way, if I'm able to enrich their lives somehow, or I'm able to improve the quality of life of people around me, that's it. You know, as long as I've got a good testimony about what I'm doing, then you know, I'm on the right track. So it really simplifies things. I, I have a tendency to overthink. If you had met me 10 years ago, you'd be like, dude, just do a thing. Do, pull the trigger. Just go. <laughs> just Come on. Do it. You're overthinking this. And now it's like, I still have a tendency to overthink, but mm. I'm more, I'm more likely to act in a particular direction and say, Hey, if it's, if we start going off the rails, we'll just make a slight correction instead of we've got to get it perfect the first time. Cause yeah. That hesitation just leads to a world of regret. So, hundred percent. And the worst, yeah. I, I always give an analogy is, if you don't do it, you're going to be sat in a restaurant in a year's time. You're going to end up speaking to a stranger, ask what they do, and they're going to be doing exactly what you wanted to do a year ago. <laughs> and you're going yeah. to kick yourself that you're not that stranger telling someone what you do. Yeah. Um, there's always going to be someone rooting and trying to move quicker than you, whether you know it or not, uh, whether they're in your eye line or not. There's always something going on. For yeah. You, for you, what's next then? You know, you've partnered with this new business partner. What is next for the business? How are you predicting growth over the next sort of six to 12 months? And how do, how do you expect to do that? That's a huge question, man. Big question, man. actually know how to answer that. So, oh, no. um, sorry. Well, show's well, over. Thanks for listening. No, I'm joking. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks. Yeah. Um, so, oh, What's going on then? Just just break it down then. What is going on in the business in the next six to 12 months? Well, it is it is really slow right now. And we're not making a whole lot of money at the moment. And yeah, well, it, I mean, I'm not going to try to smear it over, right? I mean, it the, the pandemic is really taking a huge chunk out of our, out of our revenue. The places that we normally would go to, they're a little bit scared to spend money. They don't really want to they don't really want to do the five, six, seven figure projects like what we were normally going after. Mm -hmm. Like get three or four whales and get them going and you're you're covered for a bit. But what we have had is a lot of people coming to us about smaller things, uh, things like websites or mm -hmm. lightweight applications, stuff like that. So that's why I've been working on different processes to make sure that we can efficiently get information in front of people and say, okay, well, let's have a discovery call. Let's dig in and find out what the what the need is, what's really bugging you, and how to fix that. And then we'll get our different teams 
to look at the requirements and say, okay, we can do it for this much and get some proposals and just automate that as much as possible. And I think that, you know, focusing on the responsiveness of the company is what's really gonna, what's really gonna set us apart because Mm. kind of going back to the human aspect of it, a lot of people are scared. I'm scared. I mean, you would think I wouldn't be, but there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, yeah, right? Yeah. And, you know, nobody knows. Like, I don't know what's going to, what the world's going to be like next mm-hmm. month or next week. Like, but, anything but it's could strange, happen. strange, right? Yeah. The world has always been like, society has always been full of unknowns. Yeah. No one could truly predict what's going to happen in a month or two months' time. Oh, I, know. I think 2020 has shown you is just how unknown that that can happen so quickly. Spot on. And you know, there's as you go through life, you kind of when you when you figure things out, there's that trigger warning again. I got this figured out, right? Um, what you what you're saying is, yeah, we know what the unknowns are. We know what's kind of wiggly, what's a variable in life, and mm-hmm. what's fairly stable. And this pandemic has shown like, haha, there's another variable that you didn't know about. And suddenly everything is on its head. And it's like, whoa, what the heck? Like I never, well, what else is there? What, what else? Like, what if a meteor hits the earth? What if, what if the moon crashes into the ocean? You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and it could be scary, but I really think that having, having that good rapport at building those relationships and and being regular and following up and and asking questions and not just coming to them, hey, you want to buy our thing, but just chat with them. Yeah. What's going on in their world? What Humanizing. what cool things? Yeah, exactly. And I think we don't we don't do that as much. Really good no, salespeople do, but yeah, I think, I think humanizing yeah. things is so easily forgotten because there's so many so- bits of software out at the moment that have that wholesale thing of, hey, we'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, plug and play, automate every single part of it. But you can automate 99% of your, your business, that's fine by me. But that 1% of humanization is the 1% that makes you different from everyone else. And mm-hmm. it makes you different and makes you understand what people really need and understand your customers that no automation tool will ever be able to figure out. Right. But I think some founders, some business owners really get hung up on that 99% and forget the humanization side of it. Mm-hmm. They do. Which is just dangerous. Yeah. What do you think causes that? I'm curious your thoughts. Causes the forgetfulness. Yeah. Why do they forget about the human side? Um, in all honesty, I think it comes down to money and probably credibility in the in the business world you know they've got to make it look like their business is doing a lot more than others Mm -hmm. and there's a one way to do that is speed and the other way to do that is excessive output and you know having excessive output is great and growth is great but one of the things that i see a lot in businesses that are growing is that they forget their values they forget their beliefs they forget why they started the business in the first place Mm -hmm. because this overwhelming amount of noise and busyness has happened in the workplace or in the office or you know working from home and they get hung up or caught up in that numbers game of 
hey, we're doing 10% better every month. We're doing 5% better every month. We're doing 1% better every month, whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. And it's just so easy to forget that. And I think on the flip side of, you know, 2020 world pandemic happening, it, it has caused a lot of business owners and founders, and actually not, not just that, you know, people in long-term careers to really reflect on what is truly going on in their business, what is truly going on in their life. What do they really value? What do they want to do moving forward? Who do they want to serve? All these questions that they haven't had time to truly process or truly mm. ask themselves. And, yeah. you know, a, a career person, a, a career person's a lot easier to give an example of because, you know, you wake up, you go to work, you get home, you sleep, you wake up, you go to work, you get home, you sleep. There's that sort of rat race that people get trapped in. Right. And suddenly that rat race isn't happening because you've been told to stay at home. You've been told to work from your office, your home office, mm-hmm. which means that people have been able to see their kids wake up, have breakfast with them, have dinner, see kids grow, all these other great, great things that happen in their life that just wasn't quite on their radar beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big reason why people forget that 1%. Yeah. So it'll be very I, interesting to see moving forward yeah. what how that changes. Yeah, I think there's there's really going to be some huge dynamics. I mean, I'm already seeing evidence of that because some of these companies that have full work from home abilities, you know, first they made that change seemingly overnight. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, everybody's working from home. And there's going to be some companies that are like, okay, well, let's come back into the office or or you've seen recently these stories about companies that, you know, deduct wages, the, you know, they lower the salary. If you decide to move somewhere mm. that has a lower standard of living and it's like, well, then you don't need as much money. And it's like, uh, that, that sucks. Right. That wasn't the deal. You know, I signed a paper that said, you're going to pay me this many zeros and I expect all of them to be there. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be some real, there's going to be some upsets and there's going to be some yeah. people moving different companies. There's, I think so. there's real opportunity for business owners, founders to have a lot of access to very high quality employer employees that mm-hmm. have decided to leave those companies that decided to end the flexibility to say, hey, actually everyone needs to come back into the office when working from home has been working brilliantly for the last three, four months. Yeah. I think it's going to show that the moment that people start going back in those commuting five days a week, you know, stuck on a train, stuck in their car in traffic, getting back into that routine, you know, seeing Dave by the water cooler every day. And you, they're going to go through these thought processes of like, why am I doing this? What this isn't, this isn't as fulfilling as I once thought it was. Yeah. So if companies don't allow that flexibility, don't allow that, you mentioned culture earlier, but don't allow that culture growing format that isn't in the office then business is going to struggle because you know you could look at it in the one hand saying that there's always going to be someone that will do someone else's job but actually do you want that do you want a business filled with people that aren't really meant to be there but they're good at their job yeah you don't want to be there you know yeah you're going to have some companies that are going to take full advantage and be able to reap the rewards of getting really high quality staff at great prices if we put it that way 
but mm-hmm. also that they show that they value them. And that's yeah. what's going to be the big the big turning point in the next 18 months. I think so too. I think any any company that has that view of, okay, anybody else can do your job. It's like, all right, well, you're creating a culture of fear. You know, you're, exactly. you're, you're having people that are not fully invested that they're they've always got one foot in one foot out and they're not giving their best because at any time they could let me go and i gotta go find some work right so their heart and soul isn't going to be in it and i think that i've been talking with some recruiters recently and i said hey i got a theory about this if you can identify companies that are going to keep the work from home policies in place even after it's okay not to do that then i think you're going to see some slosh people are going to leave companies that are like yeah, sure. come back to the office and they'll be like nah yeah. i'm going to go somewhere else where i can work from home well i think what will happen is those companies that say hey you have to come back to the office there'll probably be a month or two of people complying right but then it will be that whole oh actually i i am missing the life that i realized i wanted um and they're gonna they're gonna see a huge turnaround yeah and you know this is this is not even getting into that conversation about the opportunity for how places like we work and all those kind of other areas that can really pivot into offering companies the office space without the office space if mm-hmm. that makes sense i think yeah. there's a huge opportunity in there as well uh, which is which is really really interesting and um it's a very interesting time of of the world right now yeah, there's a lot of volatility out there, and there's ways to make money and ways to find opportunities to mm. do business, and that's just one of them, right? Exactly. Where are people and, gonna go? And it's always been volatile, right? There's mm-hmm. never, there's never a space in the world where it's fully 110 percent safe. There's right. always an aspect of potential change, potential fear, potential loss, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and. You know, 2020, like I said, I think has just allowed people to realize what they really want, where they really want to go, which has given them the confidence and the stability to stand on their own legs. I mean, I don't know the data on this, but just from what I've seen, the amount of like micro businesses that have probably been formed in the last three, four, five months would be a very interesting stat to find out. Yeah. Because from what I've seen, it's a hell of a lot. Yeah, it is. Which and is that's, great. yeah. And, and every person that forms multiples of those, right, they're, they're creating multiple revenue streams, which is a lot more stability if yeah. you think about it. Exactly. And everybody else that previously was, hey, I'm, I'm working 50 plus hours a week at a, at a salary job and it's stable. And then wonder of wonders, they lose that job and now it's not stable. So, diversifying your income streams is always a good thing. A hundred percent. I like that. I think one of the other areas that people are going to struggle in is obviously over here in the UK, we have like healthcare that is free to anyone, but in the States it's so much more complicated and that's such a draw for people to have jobs because healthcare and all that kind of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, having a, I'm sure there's already someone coming up and doing this, but some sort of solution for that side of things that makes it easy for people to to get access to pretty much all the benefits they would have if they were in a full-time secure job. Mm-hmm. But on the basis of, you know, they're running a micro business or a fully fledged funded business. Um, right. there's always, there's opportunity for that as well. 
Yeah, there is. And I, I know that U.S. healthcare is, uh, it sucks. I'll just say it. I can say <laughs> it because I'm here. It sucks, man. Um, it's expensive. It is. It is. And, you know, it. I, I get it. I understand that. It, it has to suck in order for people to get upset enough that they come up with a better way, right? Mm. So it's like, yeah, healthcare needs reformed, but it's not going to come from the outside. It's going to come from the inside, and it's a business just like yep. any other business. It's going to be there's some startup or some company that decides to spin off and say, we're going to solve this problem, mm-hmm. and it's going to be an uphill battle, but – that's yeah, it's a long journey that one yeah it definitely that's, that's is a, that is our three-hour podcast talking about that yeah it is <laughs> for sure but fritz listen i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation i love how we've we've gone off on the little roads there um i think it's been really ra- valuable for the listeners and viewers yeah. so, so thank you for your time my final question is is how can people find out more about you how can people get in touch um and connect with you oh well if you want to stop by our website we're at archdevops.com and if you want to contact me directly, I'm at fritz at archdevops.com. Um, find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Um, where else am I? Instagram. <laughs> I post some stuff there. I'm all over the place, you know. TikTok. Um, yeah, but I'm all over. Yeah, find me. And I will connect Amazing. with anybody on LinkedIn or friend anybody on Facebook. And we'll just have a good conversation. Fritz, yeah. thank you so much for coming on Founders 365. I really valued your time and this well, conversation. Well, thank you for inviting me, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. Like I said, this has been Founders 365.